Well, I know that um, it's a little risky behavior this morning uh, on my part, and, um, but I've never been one to kind of shy away from risky behavior. So, um, so this morning in the first service, something happened, and that was Jody missed her part of the prayer confession. Now, I only tell you that not to accentuate the mistake that... <laughs> <laughs> I confess I got caught up there with prayer cards. So hey, no, no excuse. And he no excuse. Took I'm, my spot. Hey, just don't get defensive. Don't get defensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's the risky behavior right there. Um, but but I, it's not about the fact that she never makes mistakes and that she made one this morning. I needed an illustration for the lack of humility. And so I'm bringing it up to show you what we're not supposed to do with others. We're not supposed to bring out their mistakes and failures. Because I'm talking about humility, and I'm talking about servanthood this morning. So, Jode, I've forgiven you, and please please make my bed in the garage tonight. (laughs) Okay. So this is a a third Sunday in a series that we began after the first of the year called Seven in 27. And we're looking at seven key areas, seven pillars, seven new behaviors or characteristics that, that as a result of Christ being in us will be transformed. We're talking about a makeover or a tweaking. We're talking about ways to to develop our character in Christ. See, the way that Jesus changes us is from the inside out in order that we would become more like Jesus. That's the goal of a follower of Christ, is to become more like Jesus. We can't do that on our own. We need the power of God working in us to do that. Now, John used the illustration of a vase, a beautiful vase, perfect on the outside. And he talked about the fact that that vase looks like us. We're constantly stuffing that vase full of new resolutions and and new goals and new aspirations. And and we're constantly buffing up the vase until something tragic happens in our life and the vase falls and cracks. It's shattered. And then what happens is he used the image of a vase that's put back together like all of us, broken vases, cracked pots, and what it looks like to be a cracked pot put back together. See, the light of Christ, the light of God, is able to shine through us. See, there it is. We we receive God's grace and love, we receive his forgiveness, and God's presence comes into us and allows the light to shine through our cracks. Now, the hope is is that we could all live with the certainty that we are loved. First and foremost, we are loved. We're loved by God in Christ. And all we need to do is receive that grace and that love. And then the power source of God shines through us and illumines those around us. For the glory of Christ radiates through our cracks. Last week, John talked about the power of words, that words can build and inspire 
that words can motivate. But he also talked about the fact that words can destroy, wound souls. Words can be harmful. And that the place of the wounding in most of our lives and the, the words come from our heart. And I want to show you a quick cartoon. I, I love reading the paper and I like pearls before swine especially. And there's a lot of characters in there. There's a lot of meaning. But here's one. Goat is, is talking to Rat and he says, I'm starting to realize that in life it's not about making yourself happy. It's about making others happy. And that is the true road to joy and contentment. Hey, hey, what are they doing? What are they doing? Rat said, I had him committed. <laughs> he had him committed because he discovered that life is not about making himself happy. It's not about building his own castle and his own security. It's about the joy and the contentment of others. I, I meet a lot with young couples who are getting married. I love the privilege of that. And I ask young couples to, to, to write a mission statement. And, and I ask them to tell me what are the values that they'll live out. And I met with a couple this week, really a sweet couple. This couple is resource rich. They're super intelligent. They have great jobs. They have a house. They have just about everything. And they wrote a mission statement that was truly profound. Our marriage is built on respect and love and we'll strive to continue to grow in our relationship as individuals and as a family. We will ride the waves of our relationship. And then they spelled out these wonderful values, just great values. We'll be financially responsible. We'll be stable and successful. We'll, we'll have open and honest communication. And they had these beautiful values laid out. But I was struck. I was struck like I am with some young married couples. No mention of faith. No mention of God. No mention of sharing the values, the resources, the richness. In a very caring, grace-filled way, I encourage them not to be hoarders, but to find a way to share the gifts that God has given them to share. So this week's sermon and message is about serving. It's about taking a look at our hands that are connected to our presence so that we can use them to share God's great love story with those around us. Now I love this quote that John used last week from Martin Luther King Jr., but he missed a couple portions of that quote. And I want us to see it again because I think it summarizes and speaks into my sermon profoundly. Here's the quote. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Don't need a college degree. Don't need to know how to spell thermodynamics or even pronounce it. You don't, you don't need any of that stuff. All you need, all you really need is, is, a, is a heart full of grace and a soul, a soul that is generated, motivated by love. It's profound. It's a profound word. So what I'm talking about today, it's, it's a predisposition. 
It's an orientation that gets beyond our own needs, our own demands, the things that consume our mind and our time and our life. It's getting beyond our own aches and pains, whether they're emotional or whether they're physical, so that we can sense and feel the needs of others around us. See, serving is getting beyond ourselves. It's getting beyond our own desires and aspirations, and that's difficult to do because we live in a culture that doesn't necessarily encourage that. It says build greater security, bigger castles, greater wealth and resources so that you can hoard it and protect it. But what I'm talking about is this sense of otherness that goes out and responds to the needs of those in our office, in our home, in our neighborhood, those in our senior living community and the relationships that we embark on in our lives. Other focus. Not self-consumed and preoccupied. See, I think what serving is, is it's using the gifts that God has given us. It's using those gifts that are there that sometimes get covered over by all of that stuff. And it's using those gifts to give value to others. It's when the Holy Spirit enables us to live in the moment with people. To be fully in their presence. It's showing up, as you've heard me say many times, and shutting up. Not about having words of wisdom. Not about fixing people. It's about being with them, coming alongside of them, finding ways to address their needs. That's what servanthood is all about. Other focus. We bring with us not only the Holy Spirit, but a spirit of humility which gives us the freedom to stop trying to be what we're not. It gives us the freedom to to not pretend to be who we're not. It gives us the freedom to accept our crackness and our brokenness. And it gives us the freedom to let the light of God, of Christ, shine through our broken nature. Martin Luther said, it's realizing And letting God be God and not trying to be God ourselves. This is all about our heart. This is all about looking for ways, looking for ways to impute love and value into others. Now, let me date myself and tell you that, um, and I told Heather Hood this, that when it comes to heaven, I'm going to be singing solos. And she's not. She's going to be listening to me. Luke, give me an amen for that. Okay, good. And, and when I, she said, so who are you going to sound like? And I said, of course. I'm either going to sound like Bob Dylan or Neil Diamond. And she said, those guys can't sing. And Bob Dylan, all he does is just speak rhythmically and poetically. I reminded her this morning, the guy got a Nobel Prize for that. (laughs) But there was a period of time in Bob Dylan's life, we don't know much about where he's at in his faith now, but there was a period of time where he was destitute and broken, burnt out, tired of touring. He was performing in California, a huge stadium, and at the end of the performance, um, 
he saw something fly through the air, a little silver thing. It landed on the stage. And he looked down, and it was a little cross. He picked the cross up, thought, wow, put it in his pocket. That night, he went back to his hotel room, and just despairing, just discouraged. And he pulled out that cross, and he looked at it. And something happened that he tries to explain, but, but it was an aberration. He felt that Jesus came to visit him. And it profoundly shaped his world for some years. He said, the glory of the Lord knocked me down. And then he picked me right back up. In 1979, I loved a couple of his albums. They were completely Christian licks. And one was called Slow Train to Coming. And on that album, he sang a song called You Gotta Serve Somebody. Now I'm going to let you listen to a little phrase of one of my favorite songs, and then I'll translate for you. But here's what he's saying. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble and you may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. And then he has the audacity to take a shot at preachers. <laughs> he says, you may be a preacher man with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman that's taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barbershop. You may know how to cut hair. You may be somebody's mistress. You may be somebody's heir. You got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. What Bob is saying is he's saying that we either serve ourselves or we serve the Lord. He's saying we got to lift our eyes off of ourselves with the help of God so that we can see the needs of those around us. We can make a difference. We can make a difference as we serve somebody. We can make a difference in people's lives by how we talk to them and how we address them and how we show interest in them. So I'm going to spend a few minutes, I, I want to flesh out a model and an example of what servants looks like. For we know that Jesus was the greatest example for us. He said this, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So I want us to look at a couple examples, a couple examples of how Jesus served. And, and in this first text that I want to read from Mark 10, 13 through 16, 
And that slide might pop up. There it is. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, he was angry, and he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not serve the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Jesus used his hands in his presence. He grabbed the children, he rebuked his secret service, the disciples who are trying to control the situation, who are trying to protect Jesus and block the children. But Jesus rebukes them in anger, and he instructs them to be like kids in their trust and dependency on him. Draws the children in his arms. He holds them, he puts his hand on their head, and he prays over them and blesses them. Whenever a new person comes on our staff here, we, we bring that person in, in, to a luncheon with all of the staff. We have them introduce themselves and, and then where they came from and a little bit about their faith journey. And then we circle around that person and we lay our hands on them and we pray for them. Here's a picture of that. And, and whenever anybody leaves our staff, we do the very same thing. Frank Uvodic left about three weeks ago. We gathered around Frank, a bunch of us, and we laid hands on Frank. We blessed him. We touched him. December 23rd of this year, about four weeks ago, four families got together to go caroling. We've been doing this for probably 20 years now. Jody sets it up with seniors in our church, and and these families that are growing and growing come to visit these seniors. This year, there were four little Burmese boys, little guys that came with us. Our middle son, Jesse, brought them along. And we went caroling. And I just want to show you just what a couple, a couple little boys can do to transform a 91-year-old woman's heart. Watch this. Lucy, a few minutes later, when one of the little boys, when one of the little guys went up and he put his hand, Chicolo, on her hand and knelt at her feet, tears streaming down her eyes. Many of us in the room just touched by the tenderness of that moment. That's an image for me of this Christmas. It's because Luke and Tessa and Carly and Josh and Kirsty and Jesse have been engulfed into these, this, these two families. Thirteen children, four parents, speak very little English. Refugees on the border of Thai and Burma. These four little boys came and touched Lucy and impacted in her life. See, Jesus used his hands to touch, and when we touch people and hold them, 
They're served and they experience the light and the power of God. Another text in Mark chapter 8. Jesus uses his hands again. He, he leads a blind man. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, tough call there, and put his hands on him, <laughs> Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he said this. He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus puts his hands on the man's eyes. And then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus uses his hands again to restore sight. There's a different version in John's gospel where he mixes his spit and mud. But in this text, obviously Mark thought he spit in the guy's eye. But the reality is, is with his hands and with his fingers, he heals. And we have the capacity to do that as well. A guy in our church, Dave Beatty, he's got Parkinson's. He fell a few weeks ago, about 10 days ago, he broke his hip. He's been in the hospital and, and he's been visited by people from our church, lay people. Brad and, and Margot visited him and Gino. And I showed up. Here's a picture of Dave Beatty right here. When, here he is. And Dave's married to Karen. Dave sang in our choir for years. And he and Karen are very involved in the newest CPC life. There's a story about Dave. So all these lay care ministers from our church went to visit Dave. And I show up at the end of that about four days later. And all Dave and Karen can talk about is these lay care ministers and how much healing and hope and love that they brought. And, and, and I'm feeling kind of like B-Squad and second team here. But it was so amazing to hear them talk about being held and prayed for and being touched and encouraged. We have the power to heal folks. We have the power to serve them in such a way that they can become healed. And now Dave and Karen have all kinds of questions about this ministry and want to get involved in it. See, because of the light of Jesus shining through our broken cracks, we, we can use our hands to hold and to heal. We can bring tangible help. Jesus appeared to the disciples for the third time after his resurrection. And, and they were fishing all night, and they didn't catch any fish, and he encouraged them to throw the net over the other side. They caught 153 fish, John says. And then he uses his hands to start a fire and make breakfast for his, his disciples. Peter jumps out of the boat, swims to shore. The disciples come back with the fish and the boat. And here's the text. John 21, 15 through 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter's now hurt because Jesus has asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter had denied Jesus three times. Jesus is allowing Peter to be restored. He's allowing the light to shine through his brokenness. 
And he asked Peter, do you love me? And then he says, feed my sheep. What Jesus is doing is he's doing a gut check with him. He's saying, don't just talk about it, Peter. Show me. Follow my example. Serve others. He's commissioning him. See, Jesus was the good shepherd. He was the good shepherd. And he taught the disciples how to serve and how to feed sheep. I want to just show you the results of the survey that we conducted here, and then I'll bring this thing home. We asked you a couple weeks ago, what are the preferred ways for you to serve? And, and you said a number of different things. But 123 of you said to write notes of encouragement. That's becoming a dying art. Because we have cell phones and computers, and writing notes is like being a dinosaur. But you know what? Bev Meyer, she writes a note to every family of someone who dies in this church. And Bev Meyer has written a, thing, a birthday card and, an, and a, an anniversary card to Jody and I for 30 years. And if we don't get one, then I know something's going on with Bev. Jane makes cards, and she sends them all the time. And, and Jane sent me a card this week. She said, I'll pray that God will give you the strength, energy, and wisdom that you need. Words are powerful. What a great way to serve, to write a note. Here were some other results of the survey of 896 that were surveyed. 141 of you said you want to pray for others. Well, we have a prayer shawl ministry that that women knit prayer shawls. And we give those prayer shawls and tell people this is like God encompassing you with this prayer shawl. And then they pray over their shawls. We have an intercessory prayer group. We have heartside prayer group. You want to serve? Get involved in praying in this church. And how about actual serving? How about 360 of us saying we want to volunteer our time? Well, if you want to volunteer your time, I want to encourage you to get alongside of some people in this church that have master's degrees in in serving. See, Teresa Diffley, she has a master's degree. She teaches every Sunday morning. Ross Robinson and Bill Davis and Ellen Hastings and Dean Adolph and Debbie Dukar and Dave Ole Olson These people have degrees in serving. Beth Montgomery, the Dutiers, the Krebs, these people serve constantly all the time. Deacons and ushers and greeters and Sunday school teachers, mentors for our high school and middle school students, people in the choir. These are people that are serving. Jesus is asking us this morning, do you love me? Do you love me? then feed my sheep, then get involved. Let me close with this. It's all about grace. It's all about grace from start to finish. And it's the powerful love of knowing Christ that shines through us. Mother Teresa said that serving the dying and forgotten brought her amazing joy. And she said the reason why she served was it was the one place that she felt connected to Jesus. It's not about winning or earning God's love. It's simply about responding to what you have been given. Anybody can serve. All you need is a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love, and hands that hold and heal and help others by showing up got to serve somebody.
You've got to serve somebody. 